This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. We want to hear from you right now. Text us at 918-262-5072. All right, it's 2.39. We're running a tad bit behind today. That's all right, though. My name is Jeremy Poplin. That is uh, Matt Hubbard. So far on the program today, we got caught up with... Assistant coach Russ Springman from ORU as they get set to take the trip to Orlando coming up here in a bit. Curtis Wilkerson joined us talking Arkansas's path in the NCAA tournament, which could lead them to Kansas. Got to get past that pesky final line I team first. And now I would like to welcome into the program Bruce Howard because Bruce, besides being awesome, uh, got to see Houston and Memphis up close and in person this year. Those are two of the more, I think, fascinating teams to me. Bruce, I was, by the way, thanks, man. I was telling everyone yesterday how I have these teams in my mind that I've watched even before the seeds are announced, like Florida Atlantic uh, is one of those teams. And I'm like, you know what? I really like Florida Atlantic. I like VCU. I like Memphis a lot. And then I'll be darned, of course, they end up matching the non-power conference teams with the other non-power conference teams and it takes away an opportunity for one of those teams to advance. I, I like a lot of the matchups here, but I'm fascinated by Memphis and Houston. I think that they have the ability here. Clearly, Houston, the number one seed. We'll get to them in a moment. But what do you like about Memphis and how they got kind of hot here towards the end of the season? Well, first of all, they're playing probably the best defense they've played all year long, and, and they've played good defense in the past, but I think Frank Haith really has helped them in terms of their structure defensively. Uh, so that's going, you know, that's what's going for them really well at this point and probably uh, maybe a little under the radar. You know, the, the opposition shooting, what, under under 39 percent, I believe. Um, and and then, you know, I think the, the guy that's that's really made made the difference in, in some people might think this is surprising, but Kendrick Davis not only can score. But, you know, he gets other guys involved. And I think that was perhaps a little bit of a piece missing in, in Memphis's arsenal in the past. You know, yes, he does take some shots. And, yes, he takes shots at the end of the game. Uh, but he also dishes it off. You know, he's averaged, what, he averaged about five and a half, six uh, assists a game. So I think he was the kind of the final piece to the puzzle for the Tigers. Uh, and, I, and I think they got better and better as they got used to him, you know, and uh, – and and he's also a guy that takes over a game at you know at the end. So I mean you you kind of got a lot of different things with him, uh, but I think he he made, the, he made them more of a of a, of a you know more whole as a team uh, when they got him. And you know a lot of people rolled their eyes when the best player in the league goes to a team as loaded as Memphis, but <laughs> it, it really it really helped the Tigers a lot, and it obviously decimated SMU. I mean they, yeah they uh, they were you know. I don't know if they were relying on him or not, but, you know, it allowed some other guys to step forward for them. However, they sure as heck would have loved to have had Kendrick Davis. Did he do the right thing? Well, probably. looks like he's in the NCAA tournament. He's got a team that, you know, has a chance for a, for a deep run. Um, what, I, what I like about their 8-9 um, matchup 
not, you know, and I haven't studied a lot about FAU. I know they're really good and, and, and they're joining Tulsa's league next year. Uh, but if they're able to win that game, I think Purdue may be the most susceptible of all the number ones, mm, yeah. uh, especially to a team like uh, an athletic team like Memphis, you know. So the, I want to go back real quick to Davis and Williams, because I've, I think that you could probably make the argument, right? Super seniors have seen a lot. Um, when they play at their very best, there's not many teams that have the one-two punch that has the ability to be as potent as what they are. And I think in their last three games kind of shows that 54 points combined, 16 boards, eight assists. If they're getting production on a level like that, man, Bruce, that's a that's a mouthful to be able to go out there and to be able to to be able to get past Memphis when they're playing that way. Yeah, and and you know, like like my buddy JV Haney used to say, good little guy, good big guy. You know, and that's what they've got there, along with a whole bunch of other pieces as well. But yeah, you're right. Uh, DeAndre Williams is a uh, is a beast. You know, he's a, he's the sort of guy that he, along with Davis, probably should have gotten more consideration for Player of the Year in the league. It, it went to Marcus Sasser, and I don't have any argument with that. Uh, but those two guys, you know, really pulled the Memphis ship. Uh, they had plenty of other guys. They had plenty of talent. But when you think about it, this is not the Penny Hardaway. Uh, you know, five five star player team. Uh, you know, with the James Wiseman and the and the Imani Bates and you know those guys that that were either one and dones or came in and didn't play at all hardly and had had issues and and, and yada yada. But that, you know, this seems to be a better Memphis team. Um, maybe maybe on a lower scale than all the five stars that they were used to getting right at the beginning of his time. So they are fourteen and three since January fifteenth. Um, now, two of the three losses that they have have come to the hands of Houston. Um, so they, they've had their struggles there, but it's only been by a combined 11 points. I don't know if they can continue to stay this hot forever, but I, the one thing that I love about this team going into the tournament is that they have held opponents below 32% from shooting three. That's, that's you know, about 52nd in the country. They're decent at that, but they've even gotten better over the last couple of weeks. They've really locked down their perimeter defense. I think teams are hitting just a smidge over 26% from, from three-point range, and FAU jacks up a ton of threes. They're 19th in the country uh, in terms of, of shooting threes and on the make as well. So if they can find a way to kind of lock that down a little bit with some of that length they have on the perimeter, I mean, I, I kind of like their chances against FAU. Yeah, you make a good point, and that's why I brought up defense as the first thing when you mentioned them, and I, I agree with you. Uh, and I would venture a guess that FAU's three-point shooters have not seen the sort of length and athleticism <laughs> that Memphis has on the perimeter. I mean, there's, there's one thing, if you have a wide open three and you shoot it, there's another thing. If there's a, you know, six foot nine, Deandre Williams or, or, uh, you know, a, a lengthy guy with, with lots of athleticism like Keontae Kennedy or, or Elijah McCadden, any of those guys close quickly. And all of a sudden that three pointer is a whole lot more difficult. And I think, you know, a lot of people, a lot of kids make that adjustment from high school and are used to wide open threes. It's funny how, how, how they have to adjust to, Division one athletes, you know, closing out on them. And I think with Memphis, it's, you know, they, they do a really nice job of, of, as you mentioned, getting out to the perimeter. And I, and I would say, you know, their win over Houston, they pretty much dominated that game. Their intensity yeah. was really high. And I, and I think they would have beat Houston, even if Sasser would have been healthy and would have played uh, for the Cougars. We'll never know. But I, I think Memphis was so jacked up. I think they would have beat him even with Sasser. 
So the other thing that I have on on this with Memphis is I will ask you how physical they are. There have been times in the past where I felt like the term I use, Bruce, sometimes is fake tough. I felt like that Memphis has been fake tough for a number of years. How physical are they on that side of the ball this year? Well, I think they're more physical than they were in the past. I think they do a better job of positioning, and if you move your feet and you get in position, uh, you can be more physical and you play better defense, all of that sort of stuff. And I think, you know, it, it kind of starts with Williams. Williams is just a, a – he's a grinder. You know, he's a, he's a talented player, but he's also a guy that, um, you know, that, that, that really plays well defensively and is a stopper inside. You know, the Lawsons have done a pretty good job on defense too. Uh, Jonathan and, and Chandler have been good. Um, so, I mean, I think, you know, I think they've, they've, um, I think they've gotten that toughness without the fake toughness that you were, you were talking about. I mean, there were, I think there were games in the past, um, you know, where, where things didn't go that well, all of a sudden they got almost soft. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I can give you an example of the, the game 80 to 40 Tulsa winning uh, in, in uh, what was that? 2020. I think it was Tulsa beat, one of Penny's really talented teams, 80 to 40. And, you know, honestly, they didn't show much toughness in that game. Turned the ball over a ton of times, uh, had no idea how to attack, you know, Frank Hayes matchup zone, you know? So, I mean, that was, that's kind of what you, you're talking about is yeah. When, when things are going well, they can be awfully tough. Now I think they're a team that if they get behind you, get in the hole, they'll still battle you a little bit. So I, I think they're, you know, I, I think they're well equipped, uh, equipped to do something, you know, in the, in the tournament. Now, you know, you and I touting these guys for five minutes here and, you know, you know, how the tournament goes, I might lose to FAU. <laughs> That's always how it happens. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'd be, I'd be surprised at that. And I, and I will, I will uh, sneak, sneak something out of the side of my mouth about ORU. I think uh, all of the talk about, there's no talk about ORU as a possible five upset. It's all about how Duke is playing great. Duke finished strong, Duke this, Duke that. And I'm thinking, boy, that works to ORU's advantage it does. in tournaments such as this. Don't you think? Yeah, I think it does. I think it does 100%. Um, how many times have we talked about a team out of a big Power 5 conference that seemingly has got their act together towards the end of the year, and the next thing you know, you're like, you know what? Those warts that they had at the beginning of the year, they showed right back up at the most inopportune time for them. So, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked by that at all. Yeah, no, that's it. But, 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 you know, when the, when the tournament brackets came out, you know, they talk, they always talk about, okay, what 12 is going to win? Nobody mentioned ORU at all. Nobody said, you know, at least not on the CBS thing. Well, they were just like, okay, they're Duke, also- Duke, you know, who's going to fake it, face in the second, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, I, if I'm ORU, I kind of like that. This will be the second time that I quote Pete Gillen today, but Pete Gillen once famously said, Duke is Duke and they're on TV more than leave it to Beva reruns. So when you're when you, when you're playing the the brand the end all be all brand in college basketball that has been that way since 1990, right? You're going to give them more leeway, and and people are going to gravitate more towards them and pick them, especially with them playing sure. as well as they have. All right, so let's go to Houston here. As Bruce Howard is with us here on the Blitz 1170, um, I was trying to think of the best way to describe Houston, and I saw someone refer to them as as brainless and I'll read you what they said it said at their best Houston is brainless because their rotations are so perfect and the and exact that it seems like that they're governed by more servers than syn- uh, than synapses 
I think that's right. They they have kind of a board mentality to them on defense. That's how good they are. It's been beat into them mentally by Kelvin Sampson. It's gotten them to this point. The big question I have with Houston, Bruce, is consensus may be one of the best teams. The debate is only by how much. How 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 good actually is Houston when you're comparing them to the other elite level teams? Well, let's put it this way. I've I've seen them assimilate a lot of teams. Um, <laughs> when you, if you want to use a board. Yeah. term uh-huh. uh, you know you, resistance is futile you will be assimilated and you know <laughs> you're right I think that's a really good that's kind of a really good analogy uh, because when they get guys injured and this has happened throughout Kelvin Sampson's time at Houston you know they just plug another guy in now that wasn't the case early uh, in in you know I mean as he started to build the program but certainly when they got really really good you know, you just plug a new guy. How many injuries they they had? Two really key injuries last year, and mm-hmm. they just they just plugged and played. Um, I I think I know there's a lot of complaints about um, Kansas getting what the third top seed, yes, uh, or whatever, and Houston getting the second. Uh, I mean, that's to me that's kind of splitting hairs. Uh, you know, in that okay, Kansas got to go out west, big deal. Um, but uh, I I think they're probably seated about about right I, I you know I think and and I think they've got enough they can play enough different styles of basketball and be successful at it um you know that that they should be able to to move through the tournament a little bit um you know because they can defend you they can score uh they can out tough you they can rebound um there aren't many weaknesses uh you know and it'll be interesting to see what happens with Marcus Sasser but you know what they'll they'll you know, obviously they'll 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 do well even without him. I think. So when you look at their adjusted efficiency in Ken Palm, they are plus twenty eight point eight two, which is one of the highest marks ever from a school outside of the the Power Conference group. Um, you talked about them offensively just for a brief moment there. You've seen them a lot. Would you say that this is maybe their best offensive team that Kelvin has had since he's been at Houston? Because, Bruce, when they started finally learning how to play a different version, I've heard this quoted this week so many times called uh, a version of booty ball for them. But when they when they finally were able to explode and have some semblance of, of offensive supremacy, you saw what happened. They went to the Final Four in, in 2021. So is this a better offensive team than what you've seen in the past out of them? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and, the, and it used to be, you know, with the bully ball, it used to be, you know, just, we'll just throw it up there and our guys will just go get it. You know, we'll get an offensive rebound and a putback and that'll, I'm not saying that was their entire offense, but, but, you know, there were, there were years where they did not have the greatest outside shooting and now they got a little bit of every, everything. Um, you know, if, if they don't get you with the offensive rebounding and, um, you know, and they'll, then they'll shoot from the outside and, and score off you. Um, if, if they don't do that, maybe they'll get a steal and a dunk. You know, they've just got a lot of different ways to beat you, including now, um, as you, as you may have mentioned, you know, the, the more efficiency on offense, which, you know, makes them even, even more dangerous. I, you know, I, I will say this, I didn't think their intensity was that high in the, the American championship, uh, you know, and that was a little surprising to me because usually Kelvin has them really jacked up and ready, ready to go in a game such as that. So I'm sure they'll get that back. Um, but there are sometimes, I think, in our league where they just kind of show up and they're toying with teams. Mm. You know, it's 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 ten seven at the first break, and then all of a sudden it's twenty four to ten. <laughs> you know, after a seventeen zero run, it's almost like they're bored. 
sometimes with some of the games they've had in the American Athletic Conference. And I, and I know that sounds very critical, but it's, it's not intended to be. It's, it's, it's more of a compliment to Houston in that, you know, they're, they're pretty good at turning the switch on if things don't go as well as, as Coach Calvin would like. So a lot of it gets highlighted on Sasser and rightfully so. Um, what I love about Houston, though, is I love the Walker kid. They've had a mm-hmm. uh, they've had a ton of guys, Bruce, that have been six nine that can d you up, play excellent defense. But they have a guy now that can not only play defense, but you want a guy that can drain a high floating um, a high floater. He's it. You want a guy that can drive directly into the strength of the defense. He's it. He's also a guy that will throw down on you in a moment's notice, right in the middle of the game. He's going to be a future lottery pick for sure. I that that kid is incredible. I know Sasser gets a lot of it, and he's awesome himself. I love the Walker kid. Oh, no question. I mean, he's he's another guy that's been a difference maker for them. And, uh, you know, he comes out of Pennsylvania. He went to the IMG school in Bradenton, but he comes out of Pennsylvania. And, and, and one, of, uh, one of my buddies that does color on ESPN uh, said, uh, you know, he got recruited to Houston and his father in the Pennsylvania area penned a, a note to Kelvin Sampson because Kelvin is a tough guy, tough-nosed guy, and he, and he brings discipline. He, he, he basically said, thank you for being tough on my kid. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it's probably the right guy, you yeah. know, the, the right guy to, to, to have as your head coach and, 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 and Walker, what did he win? Eight, 10 freshman of the week awards. I, I guess. think the, so. Yeah. Not, you know, and I know, and you know, another guy, and until I saw Hendricks of UCF, who I think is a little more skilled offensively, uh, I, I thought hands down Walker is the best freshman in, in the American athletic conference. Hendricks pretty good now. And I think both of them have a chance to be a top 10 pick in the NBA just based on their skill sets. I mean, they're, they may not have Jairus Walker next year at Houston. I mean, I, I think there's a good chance he goes and, and goes high. Uh, Bruce, I know that, uh, it wasn't necessarily the season that anyone wanted from uh, Eric Conkle's standpoint. I know he was on the road and recruiting, and there's already some changes of happening with some mentions of names jumping into the transfer portal. But um, rest assured, as much as we've we've talked about this not being a great year at all for TU basketball, I mean, there's that drive and commitment from Coach Conkle um, that he knows that, listen, the, the only thing that's going to dig us out of this position that we're in is, is, is hard work. And he's already often doing that right now. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, he's, uh, I'm, I'm fully convinced this coaching staff is going to get it going, get it, uh, get it turned around. And, you know, like you say, they're, they're, they put the shovel down They're They're climbing out of the hole and now they're really starting work. And, uh, uh, you know, not that they weren't before, but now you get to fully work on, uh, recruiting and that sort of thing. You know, you say at the end of the regular season, you wipe the records out, you're zero on zero. Well, the same thing happens when you lose in the first round of the American Athletic Conference. Now you're zero and zero again, and now you work on, you know, that next phase, that next team. Every team is is different than another, and I think we're going to see, you know, a really different team. At least we we hope next year at, at Tulsa. And I firmly believe uh, that they're on the right path uh, with the guys they got coming in. And you know, it's it's such a interesting time in, in college basketball with all of the different things you have to navigate, you know, whether it's the portal, uh, whether it's NIL, whether it's grad transfers and all of that sort of thing. I, I don't know how you keep track of it. I, other than, other than what was it? Nick Saban had a director of portal. Yes. Is that right? Or uh-huh. some, some yeah. teams, yeah, some most universities of them do. have hired the director of the portal, you know, it's like it's his only job. 
smokes. Well, but, you know, I, I, I think you got to. I read a story from the Athletic that followed uh, of all schools, Houston during the the portal process on the football side of it, and they had four staff members that were dedicated the early days in the portal that all they did, four guys sat there and hit refresh every 30 seconds. Like, it was an incredible story. And I'm like, wow, I know Houston's moving on to the Big 12, but, uh, buddy, (laughs) four guys are four guys. That, That seems like a lot that is dedicated to that. Well, and the other thing is you still, all of it still is broken down to evaluation. You know, whether you're evaluating a high school kid, whether you're evaluating somebody that just jumped into the portal, you know, do your do your early work, if you will, or do your ground, your your background work and all that sort of thing. You sure as heck don't want to jump into the portal and yank somebody out of there that that all of a sudden you don't know a whole lot about them or whatever. I mean, I think you have to you have to you have to be. I think you have to be fast, but don't hurry. You know, I think you have to, um, you know, get in there and, and, and kind of dig a little bit and find out. It's like when you recruit. I mean, Eric, Eric talks a lot of a lot of times about when he's watching a kid, and he may watch him. You're, you're obviously watching him play, but he really likes to focus on what the kid does once he gets to the sideline, maybe after a bad play. How does he react to the, to the coach? Uh, what is, how does he react to adversity? You know, some some of those things are things I think that every coach kind of looks at, but Eric especially looks at, you know, the the nature of the young man. You know, is is he a right fit for Tulsa? So I think I think that's important too. You gotta get the you gotta get the right people too. Indeed you do. Bruce, I appreciate you. Thanks so much, man, on the great info on Memphis and Houston, and we'll definitely be in touch soon. All right, buddy, thank you. Thanks. That's Bruce Howard joining us here on the Blitz 1170, broadcasting live from the Ike's Chili House studio, serving four generations of Tolsons since 1908. Let's take a time out and tell you all about our March Hoops celebration that we have coming up on Thursday and Friday when we come back after this here on the Blitz. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.